0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: I want you to notice a verse of Scripture with me today um, from Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Look at the screen. It says this, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Right? See that? Let's read it together. You ready? And when you read scripture, when you quote scripture, you ought to always start with the address and end with the address, right? So Ecclesiastes chapter one verse three. Let, let's quote it together. Ready? Ecclesiastes one three. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Ecclesiastes one and verse three. I want you to hang on to that. Uh, for just a little bit this morning uh genesis we read this in the book of genesis the lord reminds the beginning of creation in genesis 14 1 he said god said let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let there be signs and for seasons and for days and years and so in both uh passages of scripture this morning In Ecclesiastes uh, 1 and verse 3, and then here in Genesis 14 and verse number 1, we find reference to the seasons. The seasons. Yes, sir? 3-1. 3-1. I'm sorry. 3-1. I thought it was 3-1. Thank you for that, Steve. And whoever made them slides messed up. (laughs) I made those slides. 3-1. It is 3-1. And so there's a reference to um, the seasons there. And so I want to I talk to us this morning and maybe just for a week or two, a couple more weeks, on this thought, seasons of change, seasons of change. And of course here in the, they call it the Great Northeast. Any, any, any idea why they call our area the Great Northeast? Why is that? Because so it's great. Yeah, There's a lot of people here. You know, in the Northeast, they, they call the Northeast Corridor uh, between Boston and Washington. They call that the Northeast Corridor, you know. And they say this, you know, our nation's is what, 330 million people? And they say a third of our nation's population lives between Boston and Washington. How many of you know that's true? All you have to do is get in your car and drive out on any of our roads, and you know it's a pretty congested area, isn't that Right? However, here in the great Northeast, we get to experience seasonal change, correct? Now, seasonal seasonal change happens all over the globe, correct? Are you with me, church? And not just here in the Northeast. However, in certain areas of the country, it becomes more visible. And here, I'm not sure if we've caught any of it yet, but it's going to become real visible. Today's October 1st. You know, and it's going to become very visible to us that the season is changing, right? And many of us have uh, our favorite seasons. You have a favorite season? You had a favorite season? How many many would say, my favorite season is the fall? I love the fall. Many people like the fall. It's beautiful in the fall, right? Especially up here, you get to see all the changing of the leaves, especially since we've had so much rain. Uh, We should get to see some beautiful colors you know, over the next couple of, uh, couple of weeks, maybe month or so. And so, we'll see this seasonal change. I like the fall. In fact, it's a, one of my favorite seasons. However, I don't like what comes after the fall. How about you? I literally know people who love the winter. They love cold. They love snow. They love, I don't know. I don't get it. Me, I like sunshine. I like heat. Uh, I mean, that's, I love it, I, and summer doesn't bother me at all, you know, uh, spring is nice, I like the fall, but winter, you can keep it, you can have it, if we never see it again, it's okie-dokie by me, there'll be no winter in heaven, Amen. <laughs> it's perfect in heaven, but we go through seasonal change, correct, right, and you know that, we see that, you live long enough to note that. Um, and, and, but here's the thing, uh, each season has its own purpose. It's not just random. There's a reason for seasonal change. And I'm not going to get into all the different things, but, but, but it has its own purpose. There's a time for nature to rest and recover. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's why we're going to go from from spring, summer, fall, winter, because the Lord has placed in, in the movement, in the cycle of the seasons, time for the earth, for nature to rest and heal and restore itself for future growth. Yeah, really, you can study that. I didn't make that up, I promise you. That, that is true. Well, accordingly, there are seasons of change in life, in our lives. Isn't that right we all go through what is called a season of change you may have heard somebody say i've heard somebody say it i say it myself you know at times i'm just we're just going through a season of change right now pray for me yeah, yeah. Uh, i saw somebody the other day and they were just getting ready to become empty nesters how many know what that is how many how many have been how many are empty nesters right now and how many are so happy that you are Yeah, a couple people going crazy. Yeah, I'm so glad I am. How many are looking forward to it? I tell you what, when it hit our home, we didn't know what to do, Don and I. We went through a season of change because four children and, you know, for most of our adult lives, we had kids living in the house. And so, when the last one went off to college, we really looked at each other like, what do we do now? You know, I mean, I, I knew who she was. She was the mother of my children, but what do we do now? You know, because everything was really built around them. And so it's a season of change. And, and that's just the way it is in life. Uh, God, you know, change is a big part of God's design. Correct? It's a big part of God's design. And just like seasonal change, there are seasons of growth, and there are seasons of rest, and there are seasons for healing, and there are seasons for restoration. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm not sure honestly how long, but for the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at what we're going to call seasons of change. In fact, today I want to look at a text this morning that will highlight a season of change. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter number 6. I want you to see something with me. Galatians chapter number 6, and and we're going to pick through this for just a minute or two, but look at verse number 9. It says, And let us not be weary in well-doing for... Say it with me, class. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. Right? Hey, we got, we get, did we get the address right on that one? We did. Is that right, Steve? We got that one right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for checking on. that. Let us not be weary. Look at it. Let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Paul speaks about reaping a benefit here from well-doing. Did you see it? He says, we'll, we'll reap, we'll reap if we faint not. We're going to reap a benefit from well-doing if we faint not. I, 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 like, I like that. I, I like what he's talking about there. Uh, if we walk this text back just to verse number one, we, we see that Paul begins to speak about restoration. Look at verse number one. He said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault." Ye which are spiritual, look at the next word. What's the word? Restore. Restore. That's well-doing. That's well-doing. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, in this text, what are we to do? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And so, I like to believe that there are seasons of restoration. Seasons of restoration. Uh, That word restore here in this text just means to return back to a former state. To return back to a former state. When you speak about restoration or restoring someone, what we're saying is simply this. We're trying to get that person back to a former state of life. They have been overtaken by a fault. And you know, that could mean this. That could mean anything, right? Right? If a man be overtaken, if a person be overtaken, if a brother or sister be overtaken in a fault, that fault could be anything. It could be a sin. Maybe someone gets caught up in sin, right, and they're overtaken by that sin. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's something going on in their life. It doesn't really describe what it is. All we know is that a brother, a sister, a person has been overtaken, and they need support. Say amen right there. They need some help. In fact, Paul says in this text, they need to be restored. There's a season for restoration. And that's what he's talking about here in this text. And and, and I like this. I, I think this. I think it's important for us to note that at one point in time, everyone goes through this season of being overtaken, where we need to be restored, right? You've often heard this, at least from, from me, that there are, there's no such thing as being exempted from trial or difficulty or challenge or change. Isn't that right? Wouldn't it be great, though, if, you know, you just get saved and everything, I mean, you almost get a suit of armor yeah, where nothing bothers you? nothing penetrates nothing can get through spiritually speaking that could occur but physically you know we're going to go through it and we're going to at times get knocked off course Uh, things trip us up no one's exempt and that's why there needs to be a season of restoration a season of restoration and we're giving some guidelines here for the process I i like this uh Paul says he begins with this. Look at verse 1 again. He said, if a man be overtaken in the fault, ye which are spiritual. And so, the process of restoration begins by first someone, you know, being overtaken in a fault and then someone who is spiritual goes to help them and recover. <laughs> right? And that's where we would have discussion. You know, so what, what, what is Paul, well, who is Paul referring to here? And let me just cut to the chase so that there's no false assumption on the matter. Paul in this text of Scripture reveals several qualities of what the Bible considers a spiritual person. If I were to, I don't know how many people are in this room this morning, I would venture to say at least 2,000. <laughs> Evangelistically speaking. But if i were to begin up here with tj and go all the way back to i think that's tim way in the back there and ask you your opinion your definition your take on what 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 do you believe it to be you know how would you define a spiritual person i'm sure we'd have all kinds of different answers some answers would be similar correct but we, we we would be diversified you know and so that there's no Assuming the Bible gives us what we would consider the qualities, not the qualifications, but the qualities of a spiritual person. And he begins in verse number one. Look look at verse one again. He said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in default, fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, meekness considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And so, I like to say this. I would like to say that a spiritual person is a meek person. A spiritual person is a meek person. You with me? A meek person. You know, meekness is a Christian virtue. In fact, we read about meekness in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter number 5, Paul begins to lay out for the church in in Galatia the works of the flesh. Did you ever read it, chapter 5? And then he talks about something called the fruit of the Spirit. So, you have the works of the flesh, and then you have the fruit of the Spirit. And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, when you look at that list, one of the elements, we would say one of the fruits, but really it's just one fruit, nine different elements, is meekness. Meekness. We're told in the Bible that Jesus Our Savior Jesus was a meek man. He was a meek man. Now, I'll tell you, in our society, often we don't go around using the word meek in describing somebody. Boy, I'll tell you what, I love Brother Tyler. He's a blessing to me. He's a blessing to this church. He's such a a meek man. We usually don't use that phraseology, although I believe he is a meek man. We don't use that phraseology because in our society, for some reason, not really sure why, when you speak about meekness, some people equate that to weakness. A meek person is a weak person, but that's not the way the Bible describes meekness. No, it's a great Christian virtue. In fact, in fact, what meekness means is this. What it refers to, what it implies, pay attention right here, is a quality of submission. It's a quality of submission. And what we would say is simply this, a a meek person is someone who is submitting themselves to the will of Almighty God. Did you get that? I'm trying to teach you something this morning. Because at one time or another, God's going to encourage you to help someone be restored. Or at one time or another, you might need to be restored And one of the elements that is going to be absolutely necessary is the spirit of meekness. And a spiritual person is a person who is, now pay attention right here, who is under the control of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And that's important. That's important. Look at the text again, verse 1. Somebody has been overtaken in a fault. You know what that means, Nathan? That means somebody's, somebody's just in over their head someone has fallen and they can't get up someone has found themselves in a difficult position someone's down and we're not sure as the reason why but they need help and the bible says this paul speaking to the church in galatia brethren brothers and sisters if 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 a brother look at it again if a brother if a man be overtaken in a fault if someone you know not have to be a man, be a woman. If someone you know overtaken in the fault, ye which are spiritual, help that per- restore that person in the spirit of meekness. A spiritual person is someone who has submitted themselves to the will of God. Are you with me? Huh? They are living under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you why that's important. Because when you go to restore someone, the last thing the last thing needed, the last thing necessary, the last thing that should be involved is yourself. Think about that for a second. I'm going to restore someone. I'm going to help someone who has been overtaken by a fault. And so my personal preferences really don't matter here. My projecting doesn't matter here. He said, what are you saying, Pastor? Uh, Nathan's been overtaken by something, and he's in a bad way, and I'm going to go help him. And I begin to say to him, man, I I can't believe you fell for that. I can't. Man, listen, this is not the first time this has happened to you. There's no restoration in that. That's a spirit of judgmentalism. That's being judgmental. The Bible says restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. In the spirit of meekness. Are you with me? And so I'm going to go help a brother, help a sister, help someone who's been overtaken. And I need to make sure as a spiritual person, I got the the right spirit about me. I'm under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. There's no anger. There's no disappointment. I don't think you're getting this. Huh? And I'll be honest with you, man. Let me tell you this. I think this is one of the qualities that's really lacking in Christianity. Because we have a way, for some reason, we've adopted this thought that people are disposable. All they have to do is disagree with us one time, they gotta go. All they have to do is mess up one time, they gotta go. I mean if they don't look like us, talk like us, dress like us, they gotta go. I'm not sure we we picked that up, but that's not Christianity. That's a social club. That's a man made criteria for fitting in. No, in the body of Christ, everybody's important. Everybody matters. We rally to everybody's side. We want to be there to help everybody who's down. But it's got to be done in a spirit of spirit of meekness. <laughs> right? There's no criticism. I'm not being critical. You know, right? Are you with me? We understand our purpose in the matter. I get that. Let me say that again. We understand our purpose in the matter. God wants to use me to restore this brother. Hello. Right? What I think about what he did, why he did doesn't matter. It makes no difference to me. Hey, Nathan, before I can help you, you're going to have to you're going to have to you're going to have to help me understand. Why in the world would you do that? Why would you go there? Why would you? Why do I need to understand that? It's not for me to understand that. It's for me to help restore my brother, right? And so the Bible teaches here this season of restoration, you know, begins with a spiritual person. And so that there's no assumptions as to what a spiritual person is, and pay attention here, we're going to build on this. Paul begins to say this, one of the qualities of a spiritual man is that he's, he's meek or he has submitted himself to the, to the spirit of God. He's under the spirit of God's control, and that means you say what he wants you to say, you do what you, you know, he wants you to do, you'll help who he wants you to help, and all that fun stuff, right? Amen? Let me share another quality, season of restoration. Another quality of a spiritual person is this. I believe they're mindful. They're mindful. Look at the text. Let's read on. He says in verse number 2, he says, "...bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." For if a man think, he's mindful. If a man think himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. Did you get that? Huh? And so we're in a season of restoration now, and there's a brother, there's somebody, a sister, there's a person who's been overtaken in a fault, and someone who is spiritual is encouraged to go and help restore that person, bring them back to where they were, you know, restore them. But we we have to be mindful, and a spiritual person is a mindful person. Listen carefully. They have a good understanding of what it means to be overtaken by a fault or in a fault. Why? Because they too have faults. Look at it again. You missed it. If a man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he too understands, he too knows He's he's had some he's had some experience. He's he's suffered at some point in being overtaken. I don't want to ask for a raising of hands, but I wonder how many of us today would be honest and say, There's been a time when I've been overtaken in a the fall. There's been a time when I've gotten tripped up, where you know, I've gotten tried and, and, and failed and, and succumbed and hmm? So here's the facts. Listen, here's the facts. Christians do suffer. Christians are tried. Christians are tempted. And since we're not super, I mean, if you rip open our shirts, it doesn't have an S, you know, super Christian. There are times when, you know, we just falter and we're overtaken. Listen, it's important to understand if you've been overtaken, it's important to understand if you're the one restoring, that there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. And and not just forgiveness, but there's a way back. You can have your fellowship restored. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, you, you know, you get yourself in a situation where you're out of fellowship. You can have your fellowship with God restored. Boy, that's, that's great to know, isn't it? It's great to know. You can be restored. You can get it back. Listen, the spiritual person understands. They're mindful. A number of years ago, and I mean a number of years ago, I was, I was as a young Christian and then as a young pastor, I was, I was confronted with a question of spirituality. The question was this, what is true spirituality? What does it mean to be spiritual? And I'll never forget that. I was, I, was young, I was a young man, I was a young Christian, I was a young pastor, you know, and confronted with the question of true spirituality. If, if I were to just give my knee-jerk reaction, my knee-jerk reaction, I would have given, I would have made a list of things that spiritual people do. Are you with me now? Pay attention right here. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I didn't need to give a knee-jerk reaction. I just needed to think about it. And so I began, I really began to, to question, what does it mean to be spiritual? What is true spirituality? And, and I searched and searched, and, and I believe this. I believe the Lord re- revealed to me some things through my readings and one of the things i came upon tony was this i know you're an educator i know you're an education one of the things i came upon was this statement spirituality and pay attention right here spirituality is a measurement of christlikeness in a person's life get, did you get that let me say it again let me walk it back for you what is true spirituality I mean, if Paul says this in verse number one, ye which are spiritual, do I even qualify? Do I qualify as a spiritual person? Spirituality, based upon my study, and really I can take the next, oh, you want to stay a couple of hours, I don't think I have enough strength today, but next couple weeks we can talk about this. True spirituality is not a list of things that we do. It's a measurement of Christ-likeness in our lives. Maybe we can say it this way. It's not a list of things that we do. It's not things that we just check off. Although there are some things that we ought to do, true, genuine spirituality is measured by how much like Christ am I. Somebody say something. How much... Like Christ to my—is there any spirituality? Is there any Christ likeness at all in my life? And the only way we can really find that out is to just keep an eye on ourselves, <laughs> yeah. right? Just keep an eye on yourself. You know, how do you respond to things? How do you react to things? I was—I shared this on—I shared this on, uh, I shared this on uh, uh, Wednesday evening. We're talking about a little something on Wednesday night. We're talking about um, the parable of the leaven on Wednesday night. We're having a good study on Wednesday nights, life lessons. And I shared a little something, and I forget what led me into it. How one morning last week I woke up and I said, I was in, in prayer, in Bible reading and prayer, and I just said, Lord, today I want to do my best to be a witness for you. I want to do my best. I want to be mindful of it. And so I left my house, and the very first thing I did, I went someplace, and, and, and the Lord just, I mean, just pricked my heart, and, and I got out of my truck, and before I get out of my truck, I put, I put some gospel tracts in my pocket, and I went where God led me, and, and, and I did what I had to do, and in checking out, I gave the clerk gospel tract, and man, I just felt... I just felt, man, I, I, I just obeyed what the Lord, I, I, didn't, I didn't preach, I didn't say much other than, hey, hope you have a great day, get a chance, would you read that? person took that and said, thank you, I appreciate that very much, and put it right down beside their cash register. Now, whether or not they read it, that's not for me to, I don't know, I did what God told me to do, right? Are you with me? Yesterday, yesterday, going into the same spot, right, same Same. Operation in mind, I'm going to, you know, I go get what I had to get, come up to the counter, and there's somebody I never saw before, you know. We get to talking, he rings me out. God, Tyler, gospel track's right here. I mean, it's right there in my pocket. I'm walking out the door, I didn't give it to him. And, and James, I mean to tell you, you don't have to believe this, it doesn't make a difference to me whether you do or not, but I mean, I came under such conviction I really did. I felt so bad. And I, I stopped, and I looked back, and I, I walked, and I looked back, and now there's 13 people in line. And so I got in my car, and I'm telling myself, because I want you to realize that spirituality is, is genuine. you got to be real with yourself. You have to evaluate yourself. you got to keep yourself in check. Uh, you got to check on how you're doing. And I got into the car, and I sat there for a second, and I looked in the window. And I was fighting, I really was. I was fighting with myself. Should I just go back in and give this guy this thing? And I didn't. And I drove off and I said, I said Lord, I am, I am so sorry I disappointed you. Holy Spirit, I knew you were, you were provoking me to do that and I didn't, and so I confess that as sin right now. But I promise you that I'm, I will next time I'm in this environment. But at that very moment, I had to keep my. are you listening real good? At that very moment, I had to keep myself in check because I want to be sensitive to the spirit of God's voice. I want to hear him. And I'll be honest with you, there's, I hate to tell you this, but there's probably more times than than not that I don't listen to him and have to go back and confess that I should have. Are you with me? True spirituality what is it it's that measurement of Christ-likeness in a person's life it's not a list of do's and don'ts although there are some things we do and don't do but it's more saying on a daily basis lord help me to be more like you oswald chambers said in his great book my utmost for his highest he said you can't be like christ unless you know what christ was like <laughs> right You can't be like Jesus. And you and I, we, you know, closeness is not measured by God. Closeness is measured by I am as close to God today as I choose to be. Hmm? Paul said this. He said, ye which are spiritual restore such a man. So what is a spiritual person? Well, according to this text, a a, a spiritual person is a a meek person, a mindful person. Let me give you one final thing. He's a mature person. He's a mature person. Look look at the screen. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. You see that? So a spiritual man, a spiritual person, is a mature person. Why is that? Well, according to verse number four, he's a doer of the word. Let every man prove his own work. You see it? He's doing it. He's not just talking it, speaking it. He's doing it. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone. I'm doing what God has asked me to do, and I rejoice in that. Are you with me? And then not only that, but he had his share of burdens. For every man shall bear his own burden. So he's had his share of burdens. And so he's mature, <laughs> right? because when when you uh, keep yourself in check and when you've had your share of burdens and you've gotten through them with god's help you become mature that's what james says right james chapter one verse number two talks about you know uh every man is uh, or he talks about uh, uh, let patience have her perfect work that ye might be perfect complete wanting nothing that's maturity right? Talks about these trials of our faith and these trials help us to become a mature person. I remember years ago. That stinks when you can remember years ago. (laughs) Tells you that you're getting old. I remember years ago begging God for a better definition of maturity. You know, God, give me something. And I remember teaching through a series on a Wednesday night and, and, and praying about that, and God gave me this thought. He said this, you can measure ma- maturity by the way, pay attention here, by the way you treat other people. Wow. Maturity can be measured. That's not the only measurement, but it's one. Maturity can be measured by the way I treat others. And when you put that in this context, right, Paul's speaking about helping a brother, a sister, a person who's been overtaken by a fault. Are you with me? Maturity. Now I want you to notice a text of Scripture that I think is just phenomenal. Look at the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It's, it's in our Bible. Look, 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 look at the Bible verse. There hath no temptation, we could say trial or difficulty, taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer. That word suffer means permit you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to what? Escape, that ye might be able to bear it. Wait a second. If you're giving me uh, an escape route, what's this being able to bear it situation? I thought the escape was to get away from it, but now you're talking about bearing it. Somebody say something. (laughs) There's a number of things in that one Bible verse that jump out at me. Let me mention a couple of them. First, the word common. See the word common? There has no trial, temptation, or difficulty taking you, but such as is what? Common to man. Other words, everybody, everybody goes through it. No one is exempt. Right? Right? Isn't that right? You're either, you're either coming out or going in. <laughs> right? You know, that's the way life is. Moses said about the promised land, it's a land of hills and valleys. In that, isn't that a good description of the Christian life? Hills and valleys. You know, we're either, you know, in one, coming out of one, getting ready to go to another one. It's just, just the way it is. And so there are some things that are just common. Now, it may not be the same trial, temptation, or difficulty, but it's still a trial, temptation, or difficulty. It's common to man. That ought to help us. That will help us feel better. You know, right? You to, I'm not the only person going through this. I'm not the only one having a hard time. I'm not the only one feeling disconnected. I'm not the only one needing to maybe be restored. I'm not the only one. It's common. It's common. But look at, look at another statement. Look, 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 Louis says, but God is faithful. But God is faithful. Aren't you glad God is faithful? And you know what? He's faithful even when we're not. I was thinking about this the other day. I was doing my devotions and was impressed upon the fact that he's my father. And I really gave this some, Brian, I gave that some thought for a second. And I thought about this. You know, I have four children. I, I love them. I love them. I just love them. And I would do anything in the world for them. And there have been times when they've disappointed me and times when, when I felt as if they weren't whatever. But I still love them. I still love them and would do anything in the world for them. I mean that with all my heart. And I applied that to my relationship with my father. And there are times when I look in the mirror and I say, you, I can't, who, are you even, what in the, what? I don't like the person I see. Are you with me? But he he loves me anyway because he doesn't see that. He doesn't see that. How many of you parents, you know that, you love your children, you look beyond their faults, you look beyond their whatevers. All the warts and pimples and you know right you got a teenage daughter man she springs a pimple here or there and and ah, i can't go to school i can't go out and what you're saying but you're beautiful you're looking you're look, as a, you're looking beyond that pimple right that bad hair day how many young men have gotten bad haircuts you know i used to tell my son son don't worry about it it's going to grow <laughs> sad thing is his grandmother was the one who gave the haircut but it's going to grow. It'll grow out. Bad haircut, it'll grow back. As long as your hair grows. Right, Tony? As long as your hair grows. Grow I love your hairdo, man. I wish I could wear that. Really. Amen. Yeah. Look, look, look at this. He'll not let the trial exceed our strength. Ah, you, you, you missed that. God is faithful and will not let the trial exceed our strength. Let me give you a Bible verse I've been meditating on this week, Deuteronomy 33 and verse number 25. Here's what it says, second part of it. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Deuteronomy 33, 25. And as thy, in other words, what he's saying is this, if God gives you another day, he'll give you the strength for that day. That's a promise. I woke up this morning, I'm alive, thank you for the gift of life. And I didn't need to even ask him for the strength. It's implied. Yeah. And as is thy day, so shall thy strength be. Deuteronomy 33 and 25. I have a list of strength verses that I, I just keep compiling. Strength verses. One, of the, one, one on the list, Psalm 46: 1. God is our refuge and strength, very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Be still and know that I am God. Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Are you with me? Yeah. You see, that, look here. God is trying to help us understand that He's for us, that He loves us, right? And then you look at the last part there, the last part there, that ye may be able to bear it. Now, that's key. That's key because the trial, the trouble, the whatever is there to help us get stronger, to get stronger. That's the key. And so a mature person has gained strength from the Lord as he too has been through it. And all of us have been through it. We've been through it, right? And as we get through it, God gives us strength, and not just for ourselves, but Paul tells the Corinthians that the way God comforted you, you can use that same comfort to comfort someone else. Have you ever been there? Look here. Mrs. Gendizzi, of course, a cancer survivor twice, is better qualified, better equipped to go help somebody like a Frankie Foley who's now getting past breast cancer, not by me, but by her. I've never had it. I can't identify but she can. And so God will, she'll take the comfort that God has given her, the counsel God's given her, the help God's given her, and use it to help somebody else. That's a mature person. That's what a mature person does. But look at verse 2, and I'm finished. He said, and this is key, bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. Can Can I share with you a faulty interpretation? Here's a faulty translation. If your Bible says, remove ye one another's burdens, throw your Bible away because your Bible was not inspired by God. Bible says in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens. Here's, here's where we get all tangled. Here's where we get frustrated. Here's where we become intimidated. Here's where we get, man, I can't do that, when we think that God wants us to go and remove someone's burdens. No, look, 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 Brian, if I come along, if, if you, if God gives you a set of weights to carry or to work out with, he knows exactly what you can lift and what you can handle that's going to make you stronger. If I come along and say, man, there's no possible way he can handle that. Let me, let me take those weights. I just took away from you what God gave you to help you But if I walk by and you're on the, you know, you're on the bench press and, man, you got this thing, you can't get it up. And I just say, hey, you need a hand with that? And I just lift it up and put it on the, I don't remove it. I don't say you can never lift this. I just, I've lent support. I helped you. I helped you. I helped you to bear your burden. We get all tangled. We get all, you know, kind of frustrated because we can't, man, I can't, I got my own load here. How can I go and remove that brother's load? No, God's not asking you to remove that load. But it's amazing, even while you have your own load and you go help somebody bear their load, how you forget about how heavy your load is. (laughs) And now you're getting stronger through it. Are you with me? It's kind of like this. Let me give you just a, 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 a parable. This is your parable. You know, a parable was an earthly story teaches a heavenly truth. Here's a parable on this. My neighbor's car breaks down. I can drive his kids to school, but I can't raise his kids for them. My neighbor's car breaks down. I can drive his kids to school, but I can't buy him another car. But I can lend support by driving his kids to school for him. Amen. How many of us say I got it? Got it. You sure? Yeah. I'll keep you another hour if you didn't get it. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> bear ye one another's burdens, he said, verse number two, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Didn't say remove them. No, he said bear them. <laughs> Seasons of change. Not not just in nature, but also in life. God allows for seasonal change on purpose to, to allow for rest and restoration in nature. Right? And in life, the seasons of change sometimes are for the same. Rest and restoration. Spiritual person understands that concept, and we desire to help those who are overtaken. In a spirit of meekness being mindful (laughs) that it could be us being mature to realize i can't take god's place in this i can't be your god but i can do what god wants me to do right amen and the bible says they'll be reaping if we faint not they'll be reaping if we faint not and so in closing two questions are you going through a season of change right now? Many of us are. It's just, it's just life. We go through these seasons of change. And are you there to assist and lend support to another who might be in their season of change? Something to think about, right? Seasons of change.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today.